uh, open our uh, lesson this morning, and we've been studying uh, for a number of weeks on uh, insanity or sound mind. And so we want to continue this this morning. Uh, picking this up, I'd like for somebody to get for me Matthew 18 and verse 34. Uh, if Dennis will get that, I want someone to get for me Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7. Somebody like to get that for me in this section? Second Timothy 1, verse 7 is uh, Don Galati. And so uh, we've been doing this. I got inspired to teach on, on the mind, and we've been having a very good time studying and discussing some of the elements of the mind. And so we want to continue this this morning. It's amazing to me, as I started this, I made the comment that it's so important that you and I have good mental habits, that you and I have good practices in our mind, because the older people get, the crazier they get. If, if they do not develop good mental habits. And so the Bible says that a, a white a head is a crown of glory, uh, if it be found on the head of a righteous man, and someone else added, if it be found on the head of a fool, why, it's a shining light to his folly. And so uh, we want to talk this morning, help us uh, to come to grips with that. And I want Second Timothy 1, 7, in a loud, clear voice, this is the text that we're using for this study uh, each week. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And many translators trans translate that a disciplined mind. It's an amazing thing to watch people who seem determined to pursue a course of self-destructive behavior. They're on a course, and it, it doesn't seem like uh, anything that you're going to say or anyone is going to detour them uh, from that course. And, uh, of course, all of them don't completely go over the edge. Uh, and, uh, and so we can't say that everyone who hasn't, doesn't have good mental habits winds up in the booby hatch. But uh, there are people who have many, many problems and it's obvious that people are uh, tormented many times. And the question is, what is the root cause that uh, causes this process to take place? And I want to teach this morning on this session is the tormented mind. I'd like to have Matthew 18, verse 34, if Dennis would read that for me. And his master was angry with him and delivered him to the tormentors until it should be paid all that was due him. Now, Jesus is, is uh, using a fact of life out of Bible days. In Bible days, if you didn't pay your debts, you didn't declare bankruptcy and then go to another city and start another business. In Bible days, you either paid up or they put you in prison and they tormented you until uh, somebody came along and uh, either they liquidated whatever assets you had or had hidden or uh, some of your sympathetic relatives paid off. Otherwise, you were tortured until you paid this off. Now, Jesus tells this parable, and as he tells this parable, he tells about people that are filled uh, with hate and will not forgive. He tells the parable, you know, the one the one owes $20 million. He's forgiven by his master. He's, uh, he's ripped off his master for $20 million bucks. And so uh, his master uh, is, is going to send him to prison, so he pleads for mercy, says, please, have mercy on me. 
And so the master forgave him all that debt. He's going down the street, he's rejoicing, and he meets a friend of his who he's loaned $20. And so uh, he said, I want that 20 bucks you owe me. And his friend says, I don't have it. He grabbed him by the throat and said, you're going to pay up or you're going to prison. Uh, and uh, and uh, so his master found out about this and said, uh, the, the, what I've decided before is all uh, changed. And so put him in prison till he's paid the whole $20 million. And Jesus... Uh, tells us this parable, and then he ends this up with a very interesting word, so shall your heavenly Father do to all those who do not forgive from his heart his brother. Okay, so uh, here we have a vivid picture, and uh, if any of you have been around here very long, you understand that, uh, that this is the cause of many, many problems, many people we pray for that's the root cause of their diseases, is because of unforgiveness, resentment, and hatred. And uh, you've seen us pray for people and seen them instantly delivered when they were willing to forgive and to cast out hatred and bitterness. And so you've seen that. And we know that this is a powerful factor in life, and it is a powerful factor not only in the, in the body, but also in the mind, because we're body, soul, and spirit. We're all connected together. So uh, uh, Jesus puts this picture, and, uh, and as he puts it there, he tells the truth, that people who do not forgive, people who are not right in their heart, people who will not uh, uh, come to grips with the issues of life and do right, they open themselves to a demonic attack and a demonic assault. And we want to talk about the tormented mind today. I want Jane 4.17. Somebody in this section get for me. Uh, Noel Tossing, I want Genesis 3, 5, and 6. Somebody else in this section, please, quickly, if uh, Alan Herman... Uh, Genesis 3, 5, and 6. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. Bill Lamson, Luke 15, 11, and 12. Uh, Rod, I want Ephesians 4, 26, and 27. Uh, Mick, I want uh, Daniel 4, uh, 28 to 37. Somebody else right here, quickly, help me. Uh, Dennis uh, uh, Keppel. All right, so let's think for a moment on the path to insanity. So let's explore that for a moment. And uh, mental institutions are filled with people who quote Bible verses. I don't know if you know that. If you've ever uh, done any work in a mental institution, or if you've ever had occasion to visit someone in a mental institution, you know that there are a lot of people in there that quote Bible incessantly. So uh, 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 a large percentage of them have some kind of exposure or experience with God that has not prevented them from winding up uh, in a mental institution. That's self-evident. James 4.17 uh, gives us an interesting statement. I want that, and then I'll move on if you'd like to read that for us. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, there's a, a, a very interesting process takes place. I talked about that earlier, that when people... Uh, know to do good, when they know to do right, they do not do it, uh, that they, uh, they develop two personalities. This is where schizophrenia begins. And the extreme cases, you wind up uh, in a mental institution. I had a quote out of an old book, and uh, it says, 95% of the insanity of this country, pronounces a nationally known psychiatrist, can put down the fact that at some crucial stage in the journey of life, the victims have refused the forgiveness of sins. That was a very interesting statement, and this is going to uh, uh, go in line with what we're talking about. 
because schizophrenia begins with a violated uh, conscience. And self is always the focus of sin. When, you, when people sin, uh, you don't have, there's no mystery. Self-interest, self-gratification, self-exaltation uh, uh, has been at the root of that regardless of how you're going to describe it or you're going to analyze it. Genesis 3, 5 and 6. We trace this clear back to the beginning of man. All right, here's the beginning of sin. Sin was self-interest. The woman desired that. She wanted uh, that which God had uh, forbidden. And she also gives to her husband. And what we see is that self is always the focus of sin. Self-gratification, self-interest to, po- to pursue the path of selfishness. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, even goes beyond that, traces it back uh, beyond uh, the garden into some prehistoric time in the heavenlies, and we find a creature uh, named Lucifer, who is the devil. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. Going, going, gone. Who did I give it to? Okay, somebody like to get that for us? Uh, no? Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. Okay, here's Lucifer. Uh, here is Isaiah, picks this up, puts this in the, in the biblical record by divine revelation, and uh, points to a time uh, before uh, Adam and Eve when Lucifer uh, makes a decision. Uh, he makes a decision and says, I, go ahead. No. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt myself. I will what? I will exalt my uh, throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. I'm going to be God. All right, here's sin, and here's the author of sin. His name is Lucifer. He's very active. We're going to trace him on through this study this morning and his effects upon the minds and hearts of individual men uh, uh, following the fall. But you'll notice one prominent word. What's the prominent word in all that text? I. Okay. You want to see some real trouble? Take a look at I. Okay. Luke 15, 11 and 12. We see this played out in the prodigal son. Here's the prodigal son. Uh, Here's the family household. Uh, He decides he does not want to be a part of the rules and regulations that are involved in the family. He says, I want mine. I want it now, and I'm out of here. And you know the story. That's the root of self-interest. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. This is one of the potent and powerful scriptures of the Bible, tremendous insight of people who 
will allow hatred and bitterness, uh, unforgiveness to rest within their heart. They don't take care of it. They do not resolve it, uh, but they go to sleep with it. And uh, it says something very interesting. When you do that, you give place to the devil. That the word place is literally a word that means a landing spot, or you could have, it could be used as a beachhead. Anyone familiar with military terms knows that when any country wants to invade another country, they find, first of all, a beachhead. If it's a landing on another shore, they secure a beachhead as we did in, uh, in um, uh, Europe. Uh, and as we did in Italy, as we did in, uh, on the shores of Normandy, we first established a beachhead. From there, we moved out to conquer the country and defeat the enemy. This is the picture that is there. This is a very powerful imagery, and it means that you're going to give a landing place uh, or a beachhead to the devil if you pursue self-interest. What is uh, uh, anger that is uh, embraced and unforgiven uh, other than self-interest? Right? That's one of the consequences. That's one of the symptoms of it. Yes. Uh, uh, somebody this morning uh, came to me and uh, said, Are you over jet lag yet? Said, you, uh, You're not over like jet lag. Uh, you get right over it. I just suffer and suffer. And I said, uh, That's because you're filled with self pity. Amen. So. Uh, Businessmen travel all over the world. Uh, they do the, exactly more than I do, and they keep functioning, and that's a part of life. All right. In the Old Testament, we have a man. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. He's a study in insanity. What? Somebody made a comment. Okay. Uh, and Daniel 4, 28 through 37, is a very, very interesting story because, remember, we're talking about the mind. How does a man, how does a woman go from an otherwise intelligent human being, seemingly functioning uh, all right, sometimes at very high pinnacle, and all of a sudden something happens and, uh, and they go crazy as a pet coon. What happens? Well, it's an accident. Well, no, 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 no. See, I learned long ago in pastoring when you're dealing and wrestling with uh, some kind of a, a situation and you've gone through all the paces, you've asked all the questions, and that uh, what I have a, a saying that I say, well, I may not be able to come to grips with it. I may not be able to uncover it, but there's a snake under the bed somewhere. Okay, here's Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's a very successful man. Daniel 4, 28 through 37. Nebuchadnezzar is a king. He has riches beyond the wildest imagination. He has built a city that is uh, the wonders, one of the seven wonders of the world, still talked about uh, and marked down as one of the seven wonders of the world. He is absolutely successful. He has everything that heart could want. Go ahead. He's walking one day along the, along the walls. Look at what I have done. This is uh, undoubtedly something no one else has done in all the history of the world. I am pretty slick dude. Go ahead. And I've done this because I actually deserve this great honor because I'm actually, what he's saying is, I'm not just a common man. I'm a very special man. 
Go ahead. He still barely got the breath out of his mouth. A voice came from heaven. When that voice comes from heaven, look out. Your kingdom is gone. You're going to go out and you're going to be like an animal. They're going to do that because you're crazy. You can't be allowed to be around common people because you're a danger to everyone around you. And no one can tolerate you. You are going to be put out in a pen like an animal. You need to understand that I, God, rule and the kingdoms of men. I give uh, one power. I take power from another. And I am sovereign and I control the world. The reason that you built all this, Nebuchadnezzar, is because I blessed you. I had a purpose for this. I allowed this. I allowed you to have these talents. I allowed you to be put in this position. And I'm the one that built this city. And I'm the one that put you in this place. And I'm going to teach you that. He's eating cow, uh, eating grass like a cow. Like an animal. Ah, such a wonderful thing happens to men sometimes. Not always, but sometimes men repent. They lift their eyes to God and say, God... You're right, and I'm wrong. That's repentance. Repentance is not, uh, I, I, I did some inappropriate behavior, folks. Repentance is not getting up and saying some words that will uh, please the pulses. Repentance is saying, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. God, you are God, and I'm a sinner. Okay, go ahead. I had me a prayer meeting. God, you're in charge. You do exactly what you want to do. And I'm not going to be mad at you because you allowed me to have the fruits of my insanity. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in bitterness, Lord. You're right. Whatever you do is right. I accept it. What do you want me to do now? Okay. Pride is at the root of this. And uh, if, you'll, if you'll look for a moment at the beginning words, when Nebuchadnezzar uh, begins to say all these words, we see the fingerprints of the devil. Anytime you see someone who... I, 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 me, 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 I. You're looking at the devil. The devil has deceived a human heart and has filled them with pride, which is the essence of the expression of Lucifer's mind, and we need to see that. Okay, we want to need to move into another uh, uh, section here, is we want to talk for a moment about the mind and the demonic realm.
Because pride is the epitome of self-exaltation. Pride is the epitome of self-exaltation. Remember I said that sin, when you see sin, you're looking at man in self-expression. That's what you're looking at. So we need some more scriptures. I want Daniel 4, verse 30 over here. Pete Baker, I need Second Chronicles 26, 16 through 21. Uh, Owen, Second Chronicles 26, 16 through 21. I want First Samuel 15, 17 through 19 is Brian. So uh, we want to think for a moment about the processes of the mind and the uh, demonic realm or the part that the devil plays if we see it played out. Daniel 4, verse 30. Okay, here's I. This is self-exaltation. This is pride. We want to follow that up with Second Chronicles 26, 16 through 21. Second Chronicles 26, 16 through 21. For when he was strong, his heart was lifted up for transgression against the Lord God. Go ahead. This is Uzziah. Uzziah was a very uh, prominent king. Uzziah reigned for 52 years. I was just reading this morning that uh, in my Bible reading. And uh, he was uh, helped. He was, uh, his heart was right with God. And as long as his heart was right with God, he prospered. Uh, he was a very prosperous. He builded uh, defense cities. He was very strong. He was very prominent. He was very wealthy. Uh, and God blessed him wonderfully. But it says, when he was made strong now, his heart was lifted up. Go ahead. All right. He decided he wasn't satisfied just being a king. He wanted to be a priest. So he uh, starts into the, pre- the temple, uh, and he's going to burn incense on the altar of the Lord. And uh, the priests went in after him. Azariah the high priest went in after him. And uh, go ahead. This is not your place. God has blessed you. He's wonderfully taken care of you. He's prospered you. Uh, but you're out of your mind if you think you can become a priest and step across that threshold into a place where God has not given you. Azariah uh, stood before him as did, I think, 43 other priests. Go ahead. Uzziah became upset. He began to be very angry. And while he's even about this, leprosy comes up in his forehead. Pride is the epitome of self-exaltation. 1 Samuel 15, 17 through 19. All right, here's King Saul. He steps into a dimension that's not his. You know the story. He won't wait for Samuel to come. He uh, becomes impatient. Samuel doesn't come exactly when he thinks he should come. And he offers an offering on the altar, which is not his prerogative. And uh, and, and as because of that, he lost the kingdom. Pride is the epitome of self-exaltation. Now, not only this, uh, but there is something behind pride. Remember, we've traced this back to the garden, haven't we? And beyond the garden, onto a prehistoric time when the devil himself... Uh, is a part of this. And, and so there's a demonic exploitation of this by the devil. I want Job 41, 
verse 1. Somebody like to get that for me in my far left over here. Job 41, verse 1. Bill Kimball. I'd like Isaiah 27, 1 is Joel. Uh, I'd like to get First uh, Samuel 16, 14 through 16 also. Uh, uh, Scott Lamb. I want First Samuel 18, verse 10. Uh, 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 Adam. And I want First Samuel 19, 9 is Paul Heimberg. All right, we're going to see something very interesting here. There are two texts that I want to pass by you, and they may not mean an awful lot to you at the moment, uh, but someday they may. And so I want to leave them in your understanding. This is a, uh, a little hidden revelation that's in the Bible. Uh, that uh, Many years ago I was wrestling with a man who was having uh, severe mental uh, torments, and uh, God revealed to me these scriptures, and through these scriptures I brought him a healing and brought him a deliverance. And it has to do with a creature that's painted in the Scripture, uh, and yet it has a deeper understanding. Job 41, verse 1. All right, can you draw out Leviathan? Now, the whole 41st chapter of, uh, of, the, of the book of Job has to do with a creature. This creature is impenetrable. Uh, this uh, creature has scales. You can't get to him. Uh, the whole chapter is an, ent an entity, and that entity, the picture there, is too great for man to handle. It's called Leviathan. And then read verse 34 for me, uh, Bill. Uh, he is king over all the children of pride. Here is a spiritual entity. This spiritual entity is a dominant force, a ruling spirit in the children of pride. Isaiah 27.1 gives us another little blip uh, on that. All right, Leviathan is, uh, is a spirit of pride. Uh, it is a very powerful spirit. And uh, it is a ruling and a dominant spirit that's been active in world history. And so here we have a demonic realm uh, that torments man. Remember in Matthew 18, 34, it says, Deliver them to the tormentors. Uh, that, uh, that a spirit that torments men has dominated men, uh, and it gains dominion over men. We have Saul, First uh, uh, Samuel 16, 14 through 16. The fear of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord began to trouble him. Remember, we said uh, we're dealing with a tormented mind. So here's a man, wonderfully blessed of God. Uh, God chose him out of all the tribes of Israel. You remember, he hid. He was so humble that he hid behind the, the baggage. And uh, when, uh, when Samuel came to find him, uh, he hid behind the baggage. He's going to anoint him king. And uh, he had to seek him out, finally bring him out. But now we find him in a later period of time. Pride has laid hold of him. As pride has laid hold of him, he's offered a sacrifice out of the will of God. He's entered a dominion that's not his prerogative. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord departs from him, and an evil spirit now begins to torment him, and he begins to have mental problems. Okay? Uh, verse 23 now, uh, uh, Scott. 
All right, here's a man that's having mental problems. Uh, he discovered that when David, an anointed man of God, uh, played for him, uh, that uh, the evil spirit departed from him and he became well, or he, his mind returned to him, or he gets a, a, a measure of deliverance and he is able to function. First Samuel 18, verse 10. What translation are you reading from? A distressed spirit. Is that what it says? All right. King James says evil, spirit from the Lord. First Samuel 19, verse 9. Okay, here's, uh, this is an interesting history, is that uh, every time Saul is, uh, is having a nervous breakdown, uh, he sends for David. David plays on the guitar, and uh, he's recovered. Uh, but as David's playing, he has a javelin in his hand, and before Saul's delivered, he has to do a little toe dancing to keep out of the way, because he has a habit of, of all of a sudden losing it and trying to run him through the wall with a spear. This is an interesting concert that David's playing here. And so uh, this is a historical record uh, that we have. And here we see a man that God has given uh, up to a torment because of the lifestyle he's living, because of his failure uh, to discipline himself and to take the actions that God wants him to take. I want in the far right, Second Chronicles 18, 18 through 22. Somebody like to get that for me? Second Chronicles uh, 18. Nobody knows where Second Chronicles is. There's one that does. Bear Montgomery. Second Chronicles, chapter 18, 18 through 22. Okay, here's uh, an occasion in the history of Israel. Uh, Hezekiah, if I'm not mistaken, has gone up with uh, Ahab. Uh, they're uh, talking about going into battle and joining their forces together. And so uh, Ahab calls his prophets of Baal. They come out and said, you've got it, buddy. You're the best there are. You're cool, dude. I mean, go. Nobody can stand against you. But uh, Hezekiah says, isn't there a prophet from Jehovah God here anywhere? And said, yeah, but he's in jail. This guy, he never says anything good to me. And so I've got him in the slammer. He said, well, go get him. Let's see what he has to say. So they bring him out. And uh, Micaiah tells this little parable uh, to let us know what God's going to do to Ahab. Go ahead, there. A spirit came forward, came before the Lord and said, I will entice him. I will go and be a lying spirit unto Ahab. Go ahead. I'm going to uh, let his prophets speak. They're going to speak lies, and he's going to believe what they're going to say because I'm going to kill him. That's the God of love. I've had enough of him and his uh, wife, and I'm going to kill Ahab. That's what I'm going to do. And how I'm going to do it is I'm going to let him be deceived. He's going to... Believe his prophets. He's going to reject the word of Jehovah God. And I'm going to bring him up and I'm going to kill him. Go ahead. Okay, here's a very interesting little uh, scenario that's placed in there. And so we see we're talking about demonic spirits and man's decisions in his mind. 
Let's take a look at the demoniac of the Gadarenes for a moment. Luke 8, 26 and 27, right here. Uh, Pete Walter, James 3, 14 and 15. Somebody help me. James 3, 14 and 15. Don Galati, I want Matthew 17, 14 and 15. Um, one thing that motivates them, this is the base passions, uh, and they can't uh, seize from that. Go ahead. They're cursed children. They've forsaken the Lord the right way and are pursuing the path of Balaam. Remember Balaam in the Old Testament, Numbers 23, 24, and 25. God uh, uh, moved upon him. Uh, He rejected what God had done for him. He finally loved the wages of unrighteousness. Uh, As uh, as Balak was hiring him to prophesy for him, he became a a prophet that sold uh, the gift of God. And uh, he's a cursed man. And so here are these uh, in the New Testament. This is New Testament scripture. And says this is exactly the dynamic. And uh, that the Lord forbade the madness of the prophet. Says he's crazy. His mind, does he have a spiritual dimension? Obviously. Because he's achieved a, 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 a place of spiritual prominence. But is he on the right pathway? No. He is not. He sold out. And he's on a pathway to destruction. Go ahead. Is that all of it? Finally, a, a donkey uh, rebuked him and spoke to him as God uh, began to uh, bring and make manifest his insanity. Acts 8, verses 9 through 11. This is. Uh, here's uh, Simon, uh, the sorcerer, and uh, this man has prominence. Uh, this man has notoriety. Uh, he's feared by the people because they've seen him work some spells and curses and so on, and uh, they're all held in awe by him. And so here we here we find spiritual entities that are moving, and uh, and he bewitched them. In other words, their minds were influenced through the spiritual forces that he was exercising. I want to stop right there before we go on. I want to uh, engage you in questions, and I'm sure that I've stirred you up uh, to many uh, avenues uh, and questions. Uh, before you do, I've got a—I forgot to show you this little uh, packet. Now, this is a little packet. This lady's been writing me epistles from Eugene, Oregon, and uh, it's a—it's rambling. Now, she's a very uh, religious woman, and so she sent me a Furby alert. Houses for demons. These furballs from hell will eventually possess their mama or papa, causing strong spirits of fear, etc. Burn the Furbies. Now, I don't know what a Furby is. Apparently, it's a little doll of some kind. And so uh, she sent me a Furby alert. And then uh, here she sent me a declaration of war against Satan or zero tolerance against sin uh, in the Eugene area. And uh, she's decorated this all up, several of these for me to distribute, and she's wanting to get on uh, radio stations that are synagogue from Satan. And then this little epistle is one letter, okay? This is one letter. She's had this bound for my benefit, okay? And, uh, and uh, now uh, I, get, uh, I get epistles from Eugene, Oregon. I've got several from her. They're, they're insane ramblings. I get uh, letters from San Antonio, Texas. There's a lady that's given money to Ken Hagen and, and uh, Ken Copeland and uh, Oral Roberts and and so on, and so she's mad. And I don't know what she's asking me for. I don't promote them, and so 
she's mad at me too so she sends me this letter got on her mailing list and uh, she's insane they're out there folks okay question okay and so if you'll fit that in with 1 Samuel 15 23 uh, there's a verse of scripture that says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry now, that's a very uh, profound statement, and this uh, lets us know that rebellion has in it the same dynamics as witchcraft has. It opens to the same spirit that begins to move through with witchcraft, and then the second uh, part of that phrase says, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. This gives us a little further insight because stubbornness uh, is self-worship. It's, put, it's, it's putting your own self-will above God and uh, says that's the same as, as idolatry or worshiping, uh, uh, bowing down to an idol. Okay, someone else. The mind, the tormented mind. The reason I got this study is I was preaching for, uh, for a pastor and I was telling him the studies I was doing. And he said, have you done anything on the tormented mind? I said, why do you ask? He says, because my mind's tormented. So I got inspired. I said, well, I'll do a study on the tormented man. Uh, Rob? Three. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Okay, so let's, uh, let's go on then. I want to talk about the cure for the tormented mind. Do I have another question over here? Says Bear Montgomery. Yes. Okay, he's never able to resolve his own guilt. Guilt is one of the major problems with the human mind. All right, there's three elements in the Bible that's a cure for the, the, the tormented mind. Uh, one of these is Luke 8:35. I want somebody right here to get for me, uh, which is Brian. I want Luke 15:17. Uh, Pete Baker. I want James 5, 5 through 9, uh, which is Twister. There's three elements. One of these is deliverance. Luke 8:35 tells us the wonderful deliverance of the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Demons had left him, he was clothed, and in his right mind. The second uh, element is repentance. Luke 15, verse 17. When he had come to himself. Repentance is a word, a Bible word. Remember the John the Baptist uh, began his ministry preaching that? Jesus also... And uh, repentance is a word that comes from a root word that means after madness. Remember that, okay? And so here's the prodigal son. He came to himself. What he did was he said, this is stupid. Even the servants in my father's house are better off than I am. Here I am eating pig slop, and they're, uh, they're better off than I am. He came to himself. Anybody that repents is a person who comes to himself. And finally, James 5, 5 through 9. 
It doesn't say anything about resisting the devil. I made a misprint there then somewhere. And so uh, humility is the third element. Uh, you humble yourself, you resist the devil, and you flee from it. I'll give you three more scriptures. We're out of time. Uh, the, the, the second element of uh, cure is to guard yourself from rebellion and self-will. First Samuel 15, 23, I've already given you that. Luke 1, 51, and 2 Corinthians 10, 1, casting down imaginations. And uh, I'll give you that. We're out of time. The Lord bless you. We're going to go into our morning service at this time.